The reading is from Luke chapter 10, beginning at verse 38, page 1042. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed, only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Thank you, Rosemary, very much. And it is just lovely to uh, have her read again. I thought it would be a long time before I heard Rosemary uh, read when I uh, left DPC. It's good to have her back. But as we come... Oh, yes, so the children have got to go. Um, I'm sure it's the, the heat. Yeah. He'll be all right. Yeah. Is that all right, Joe? Now, we're going to uh, look at this question, which is, what do you think causes stress? I'm hoping the picture that you see on the screen is a picture of a person who looks like they're having major stress. Well, what is it that makes it like that for us? And a lot of people would say, well, actually, we know what... Uh, that expression is all about. Uh, we were like that only this morning. And that's part of living in London, isn't it? You live in a large hurly-burly town, and uh, we know it's uh, demanding of us all the time, uh, of our time, of our money, and neither uh, things do we have enough of, and therefore there's always background stress. And every now and then, we hit the roof as well. And it's not just for adults, uh, it's often uh, true of children. As I was trying to show out with Ruthie, well, maybe they don't have quite the stress in the way that I was putting her under stress, but actually children are under stress as well. I imagine that the most stressful person in the room at the moment is aged 18 facing a psychology exam uh, on Tuesday. Uh, so, yeah. People, young people, get pulled about in different directions. So no wonder they too face stress. And so it is very interesting when you are about the Bible to see that actually it's not a new thing for our culture to be under this kind of pressure. And here in our Bible story today, in Luke chapter 10, verses 38 to 42, you will find a person called Mary who is well and truly stressed and this time, in her case, not because she lives in some busy, bustling metropolis, but simply because she has to pre prepare a simple meal. And yet all the signs of stress are there, aren't they, if you notice? She is out of sorts with her sister. 
She is out of sorts with uh, uh, Jesus uh, because uh, she says to him, uh, Lord, don't you care, in verse 40, that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself. And she is out of sorts with herself because you can see how Jesus has insights into her in verse 41 and sees that she is worried and upset about many things. All over one meal, and we feel the same thing if we lived in the metropolis, which is what Londoners up and down the country are feeling like as well. So your ordinary person who works uh, maybe a simple little job like uh, running a shop and they will have pressure with uh, probably the staff that they need to hire and, and get hold of and train up and keep working properly and then there's the stocks that they've got to work out what to get and what not to leave out and guess what people are going to buy. They've got uh, a, a, a salary to try and eke out of what they're doing in their work and so therefore their stress, which knocks aside our relationships with those that we live with very often, like Martha's relationship with her sister was affected, and very often then leaves us very little time for our uh, Christian um, uh, understanding of God to develop very much, and we ourselves are feeling like we're a tightly coiled spring, ready to go pop. And so that is the story that we're looking at today. It might be 2,000 years old, but it uh, has its finger on the pulse for us. And uh, there are two things, I think, that we can learn from this story about how to handle this kind of pressure. And I think the uh, um, <clears throat> first thing I want to say is choose the one thing. Because it seems to be that that's part of uh, what Jesus says uh, in verse 42. So you can see how uh, it's gradually coming down, isn't it? Mary is upset about many things in verse 41. Jesus brings that down to actually only a few things are needed. Actually, indeed, only one. So I haven't got very many clever pictures, but uh, essentially... Uh, choose the one thing is uh, 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 probably uh, what helps uh, most. And there's a play on words as you see Jesus tells Mary, uh, you are worried and worried, upset about many things, but few things are needed or only one. And it's a play on words that really suggests that actually only one meal is needed. Not the many things that uh, Martha is preparing. It seems like she's gone for the multi-menu option in the kitchen and Jesus says, you know what? That bread that I smelled baking as I walked in through the door, that would be quite enough. So you don't go down the let's do everything route, you just do the one thing. And that is a great help. And that seems to be what Mary uh, has chosen at the end of verse 42, Mary has chosen what? That is one thing that is better, and it's almost like she's chosen the better meal. The play of words is there to suggest that. And it seems, therefore, that uh, the Bible 
uh, takes us from the many things to the one things as part of God's loving provision uh, for uh, our own well-being and good. We tend to highlight multitasking as a great skill, uh, but actually we've got to be careful how we go down that line because, well, it shows that we can't choose one task because we've got to do the multi. So we need to be, I think, careful about that. And the Bible tends to say that is how it should go in the Old Testament and in the New Testament as well. So if you know the story of Moses and the people that he took out of Egypt and when they were in the desert, he tried to solve everybody's problems all by himself. And his father-in-law said, Moses, look, this is not going to do your health any good. Why don't you get other people to help so you can do less? They can do what you're doing and you can do the one thing which is sort out the difficult problems. No one else can. And you see a little bit of that happening in the New Testament too. You see the apostles and they got involved in the caring of widows who had no food. And that was a good thing for them to be doing. But the difficulty is that caring for widows is more than the apostles could do. And they weren't doing it as well. And therefore there were some widows who said, well, we haven't got enough. And so what they had to learn how to do was to put that job in the hands of other people so that they could do the one thing, which is what they were asked to do, which is to prayerfully teach. The word and prayer is what they were meant to be doing. So the apostles uh, had that lesson to learn as well, to go from the many things to focus on the thing that God had asked them to do. And we might therefore think that that is actually uh, the one thing that uh, we are meant to be doing. Rather than do lots of things, it is good wisdom to find out the one thing that God wants us to do and to focus in on that. We don't need to belong to every committee, answer every email, and reply every text. That sense of actually understanding the one thing that God wants you to do and then getting on and doing that and not stockpiling all the other things can be a great help. And that's one thing that we need to be hearing as a church. I think our prime work is to be getting on to doorsteps where people live and we need to be careful how we don't uh, increase our portfolio too much. Uh, from doing that work. So choose the one thing is a good way of lessening our stress levels. That is certainly true. But I want to add a second point. And that is to choose the done thing. I'll explain what that means in a moment. But I want to start off by suggesting that even the one thing can actually create a fair amount of stress. After all, all Mary, Martha, Martha was doing was doing one thing, preparing a meal. And that was stressful. So 
Just the one thing alone, I don't think, is the full answer. Especially when you think that for an experienced housewife like Martha, cooking a meal wouldn't have been all that stressful, would it? Because I don't know how many meals she'd have notched up by this time, but my guess is that she could do them fairly well and fairly quickly, and women generally don't get stressed, in my view. So, for example, when we've got people coming around to our house for a meal, and I say, well, what can I do to help? I'm usually sent off to hoover the house, or walk the dog, or go down to the shops and get last-minute uh, uh, provisions. It kind of almost feels like I'm not wanted, which is a surprise. But women know how to do their meals without stress, competent ones especially. Martha seems to be very competent. She invited him. No lack of confidence there. In fact, I remember a time when after a church service on a Sunday morning, we were in our house and I was in the dining room and Debbie was in the kitchen and she was cooking. And as you looked through the dining room, you could look through the front room and you could see through the front room window a family of four people just passing by on their way to ring the doorbell. I had two seconds to tell Debbie that I'd forgotten <laughs> that her family were coming to join us for lunch that day. And it took another two years before that family ever realized that they were not expected. <laughs> because by the time I'd gone to the door and so taken their coats and welcomed them and brought them into the front room and then the dining room, there were all the number of uh, places already on the table. So they had no idea that we needed to find a few more. And Debbie was chatting away cheerfully from the kitchen and meal turned up and all in good quantity and quality and they had no idea. You see, competent women can provide meals without getting stressed. Now, <clears throat> that's on the outside. Let me tell you that I don't... <laughs> the saintliness of my wife cannot be over uh, cooked, I don't think, because I'll never forget when I told her, even in those two seconds, when I told her that we had guests for lunch, uh, the old-fashioned look that I got then has lasted a lifetime, mainly because it's been reinforced by the old-fashioned looks that I've had since then, for doing pretty much the same thing over and over again. But that is actually how it works with competition. So how come this woman is so stressed? That's the question when generally women can cope with uh, unexpected surprises. And I think this story takes us to the truth that we learnt last week from the story of the Good Samaritan. You remember the Good Samaritan is the person who cared for his neighbor, the man who was hurt and injured along the road from Jerusalem to Jericho. And you remember how we were talking about uh, uh, verse 27 being the important thing where we loved God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and we loved our neighbor as ourselves. 
And you remember last week how we were thinking the key to that happening is to realize that we are actually like the injured person on the side of the road facing death. But when we're on the receiving end of God's love and Jesus comes and he sets life in front of us instead, which is what the Samaritan did before this near-dead man, then when we understand that we are like the injured person, we'll never walk past another injured person ourselves without stopping to help. That is the point at which we start loving our neighbor when we realize how much we have been loved. Now, I think that that is the match with this passage as well. There's Martha, head full of what she has to do for Jesus. And there's Mary at his feet, listening to what he would be doing for her. I presume the conversation would have taken that in, given that the cross was fully on Jesus' mind. He's walking on the road to Jerusalem where he's going to die for her, and it wouldn't have been unnatural for, to say, for her to say so. Uh, where are you going? Why are you passing our house at this time? And sitting at his feet, she would have learned about what he was going to do next. Just like the disciples were learning what he was going to do next. All part of his love for her. And once you understand that deep and great and enormous love that the Lord Jesus does in his service of us, then we're able to step out and serve him, not with a sense of payback for what he's done, but a sense of deep gratitude and love that you might be a bit like him, given that you love him so much for what he has done for you. Illustration of that came when uh, our daughter uh, Becky was about to go off to Africa and uh, rather annoyingly uh, she invited Catherine Warrior to come to our house. Rather worryingly, uh, worryingly because, uh, annoyingly because I was trying to work in my study and instead outside uh, the, from the sound of the kitchen came uh, the sound of uh, voices that were laughing and joking and cheerfully chatting and a meal was being prepared. Uh, Becky was learning how to make uh, African uh, chapati um, and there was absolutely no stress in the air at all. Uh, Debbie absolutely loved the opportunity to learn how to cook in this way and couldn't wait to start making that dish herself. Now that is what Christian service is like. When you actually love the person who's, uh, who's with and the, the atmosphere is charged with that kind of deep affection, then you head out into service, not with a sense of being under pressure to do those things, but out of a pure sense of delight that you have the opportunity to do the same thing yourself. And so for what does that teach us? If you're new to our church and Christian things are very new to you, it might even be that stress has brought you here. 
It's not uncommon in a place like London and particularly Dagenham <coughs> for us to feel we'd love some wisdom on how to live life because somehow uh, things keep going wrong and the pressure's mounting up. Well, the wonderful lesson from today is to begin understanding by sitting at the feet of Jesus, understanding what he has done for you. And as that really takes in and takes root, then our joy and gratitude increases so much that life takes perspective or this perspective returns to life and we begin to live it in a way that is much more inclined to be marveling at his love than to be stressing out at all the different things that we might feel we have to do for him. It may be that you're someone who's knocked around church circles for a very long time. So much the point that even the word church might induce stress because you would be able to remember in all the different things that you've done in your church family that one thing has piled up on top of another. It's always true, isn't it, that a very few people seem to carry a very big burden in any church. It's just the way it seems to be. And you might think, well, why is it that no more people come onto the team and share things out a bit more so that we all have a bit more breathing space? Some of us actually carry deep scars of doing so much that uh, we were just completely spent by the time we finished. But the difficulty is saying, well, there were only more, if only we had more people to help us and so on, that can be a little bit of a Martha resentful coming in, can't it, at that point? And it's far better to say, actually, you know, what I really need to do is to put those days away and to once more return to the feet of Jesus, savoring his love for me. Not so that I then disengage, but so that I now re-engage in new ways with a new love in my heart for him because of his great love for me. Maybe that there are some of us uh, who want to be merry, but are just too frustrated because things happen all the time and all our merry ambitions go out the window because, frankly, there's just too much to do. But the Roman Catholic answer to that is go and join a nunnery because, essentially, that's what the Roman Catholic did with this part of the Bible. They said, there you are. For some people, the merry people in life, well, leave the Marthas to sweat and grind. Why don't you go and lead the contemplative life and go away from it all? But I hope you don't think that that's really an option because what Jesus is saying here is not that there are some people with merry temperaments and they've got to go and quieten down a bit. Now, there's a merry element that Jesus wants to encourage in everyone. In fact, there's not enough of merry that you can get. And I think the 
route to being in her shoes is to be in her position at the feet of Jesus, understanding his deep love. I think it is just absolutely vital that we open up our Bibles, because that's how he speaks, that's how we sit at his feet today, and just simply take in as we read and think through, how does this passage tell me something more of God's love for me? And to sit at his feet in that way and to take in that truth and to let that feed us as we think over what we learn, what we read, so that then when we return to the humdrum routines of life, that we do that with a new joy, a new sense of gratitude in our heart. It will make all the difference as we sit at his feet first. So we're not really saying, look here, here is a, a recipe for uh, Christian idleness. No, we're saying here is a springboard for amazing activity, but arising out of an understanding of great love and propelled and filled by deep gratitude. Our service is different. It becomes an expression of our joy rather than a reaction to our stress. Well, I'm going to stop there because as we do on Sunday nights, we uh, take questions, raise up any comments, Say what you like, and uh, you help me to cover up some of the gaps that I've probably left out as I've been speaking. So I'll stop there and say, right, it's over now to you.